Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your church, Lord. Uh, We thank you for the miracle stories that are happening uh, across your kingdom, across the valley and beyond. Lord, uh, we are just excited that you are not done yet. And Lord, you are still calling people, your people, to partner with you in that ministry. And so we say yes, Lord. Uh, we say yes. And so, Lord, today I thank you for Pastor Adrian and his family. Uh, Lord God, I thank you for his leadership, uh, his humility, and his compassion uh, for people, Lord, just shines through and, and sets such a good example for us. And so, God, today as we unpack your word, uh, some tough sayings, Lord, will you give us open ears and mm-hmm. eyes and hearts to hear your truth today? So anoint Pastor Adrian with your presence uh, as he speaks your truth today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, anytime I get to be with you, I want you to hear me say that I love you and I love your leaders, those that serve, uh, those that are leading life groups and our board representatives. I love uh, the staff here, John and Terry uh, and Jared. And just specifically today, I want you to know that I give thanks often for a lot of things in my life. But one person that I give thanks for often is Pastor Jared Link and the phenomenal job that he does in leading you. I try to tell him that often. Uh, but I know, I know you really know that and believe it. So yeah, I just want to, we've literally, in the last two and a half years, I think there's been like two Sundays we've gotten to be in the same physical, because sometimes I'll come here and I'll send him to here, you know, but we just felt like it would be good to both be together here uh, today. And it gave him, I could tell in the first service, it gave him special joy to say, we're going to talk about the tough uh, sayings of Jesus. And he just got to drop the mic and leave the stage and say, good luck with that. So that, that's my, my lot uh, to preach today. But yeah, we are in a series. And the good news is these are the words of Jesus. And it's also good news that this is the last week in the series. So nobody has come up to me and said, can we extend this series like eight more weeks? I'm really feeling, most of you have been like, this has been tough, but thanks for preaching it. So today, uh, th- this has been a great journey. We are on a journey, uh, 40 days of prayer, but we're journeying towards Easter. You're going to hear more about that at the conclusion today. But th- this is one way that we, we are preparing our hearts to say, man, I don't want to just kind of uh, sleepwalk my way to Easter. You know, how, how Lord, do you want to prepare us? And so we've been spending time, not just in God's word, but in the words of Jesus, preparing us. I want to begin today talking to you about expectations, because expectations really matter. Here's how you know. Uh, let's say today you decide on the way home, you're going to stop through the drive-thru and get yourself something quick to take home with you. I emphasize that word quick. And, and say, as you pull up to your favorite drive through window, it takes about 10 minutes for you to get your food. You're probably going to be a little bit frustrated, a little bit disappointed. Why? You have expectations. Fast food, right? But say tomorrow you have to go to the doctor for whatever reason, and you get there, and within 10 minutes the doctor shows up 
and begins talking and meeting with you and seeing you. Within 10 minutes, you get to see a doctor. You're pretty pumped. What's the difference? Expectations, right? Expectations, they matter. They matter in every context, in every area of our life. And maybe as I, I, I talk about expectations, you, you think of this idea of unrealistic expectations. I think of that. I think of how painful it is in our lives when maybe people have unrealistic expectations of us. Maybe our, our boss, oh, unrealistic, how I can't do that. Or maybe our, our family, our spouse, somebody that we love has unrealistic expectations for us, and that's frustrating. But there's another thing I've been thinking of that I think it's equally as frustrating as unrealistic expectations. It's unspoken expectations. Expectations someone has for you, but they haven't told you. They haven't said it. And so it's kind of like, well, how, how can I measure up to your expectations if I don't even know what they are? There's some husbands in the room early in marriage, you know. It's like, how would I know that? You're supposed to want to know. You're supposed I can't read your mind. Okay, anyway, well, that's a whole other series. We'll get to that some other time. Jared can drop the mic and give me that message another time to preach. But unspoken expectations are really hard, aren't they? Well, here's the good news today. We're going to read some tough words of Jesus, but the good news is that Jesus makes his expectations so clear for us. Jesus doesn't leave any uh, uh, unspoken expectations. He makes it really clear today. And so as we open his word, we're going to read Jesus' expectations of what, what his followers, what, what it means to be a part of his kingdom. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? He's going to share those expectations with us so that we can have clarity on what it means to follow him. Uh, Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to be. Uh, these are the red letters in our Bible. That means Jesus spoke these words. And so we're going to read the words of Jesus, starting in Luke 9, verse 22, and I'm going to stop a few times and kind of guide us through the scripture, uh, but this is the word of the Lord for us today. Verse 22, it says this, and Jesus said, the son of man must suffer many things. He must be rejected by the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law. He must be killed, and on the third day, raised to life. Now, we're reading these words thousands of years later, we know Jesus is talking about Good Friday, his death, Easter Sunday, his resurrection. Easy to read this and think, ah, ho-hum, let's keep going. But think about for a minute, Jesus is speaking these words to his closest friends, his disciples. Uh, these, in this case, men particularly, who have left everything to follow him. And think about the context for a minute. What's happening right before this scripture? Jesus commissions his disciples. He doesn't just gather them in and huddle and we're going to have a great small group and he sends them out and says, you're going to go minister in my name and you're going to go heal people and you're going to, things are going to happen. And guess what? It happens. Miraculous things happen as the disciples go and take the message of Jesus, the power of his spirit, and they minister to others. Miracles happen. So imagine, now they're coming back together, and they're kind of pumped. They want to tell Jesus stories. I was there, and this happened. And can you imagine what? In the midst of that, something else cool happens, because thousands of people gather. We know 5,000 men, but there were women and children, too, and they gather. And Jesus takes a little boy's lunch, and he feeds thousands of people and the disciples are watching it they're participating in this miracle so all of this is happening it's got to be like the highlight the mountaintop experience this is amazing but now the bad news jesus says well well, well god's plan is that i'm going to suffer and i'm going to die and i'll be raised to life but but can you imagine how disruptive this would have felt in the disciples plan 
how disruptive this would have felt in the midst of all the good things God's doing. Now he's talking about suffering and death. Just didn't line up with their plan. And now the, the tough words, the tough sayings of Jesus. Let's keep reading. And if, if you have your copy of scripture, highlight verse 23, because really verse 23 is where we're at today. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Jesus makes his expectation clear. He makes his expectation clear. If you could, could you put verse 23 back up on the screen? Because that's really where we're going to be. And that's really what Jesus uh, outlines for us. Because in verse 23, he says two things. First, he says, must deny themselves. If you want to be my disciple, if you really want to be my disciple... If you really want to be a follower, you must, there it is underlined, deny themselves. What does that mean? Deny themselves. Well, that word in the Greek, we know that uh, the New Testament was not originally written in English. It was written in Greek, and we've translated it over the years, but sometimes our words don't totally line up. If you've taken out other languages, you know that. So this word, deny, it's the same word, it's the same word used later when Peter denies Jesus. As Jesus is going to the cross, as he's going to be crucified, Peter denies Jesus not once, not twice, three different times. And that word denying is the same word Jesus uses here. To deny yourself is simply to, it's really to betray yourself. That's the implication here. The Bible sometimes calls uh, ourself our flesh. You'll hear that throughout the New Testament, our flesh. So, So this idea of denying self, betraying self, this is really what it is. This is what Jesus is saying. This is an intentional decision to move away from self as the primary motivation. I don't have to tell you that we're living in a world over, overcome by this mentality of me, me-centered living, right? That everyone, everywhere, their motivation is me. Me, 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 me. What's in it for me? What I want, what I need, what I've got. And, and look, I understand that. I can relate to that. But Jesus is talking about to be his disciple is to live countercultural, that you no longer live a me-first life where everything and every motivation and every thought is about me, 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 me. In fact, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny, you've got to betray that sense of living for only me because it's not that anymore. So that's part one. The expectation of Jesus is that we betray that sense of me-first living. And what next, second part, take up their cross. Take up their cross. We know the cross, especially this time of year. We know Easter's coming. We know what the cross will mean for Jesus. And Jesus knew the cross was coming for him. But consider the disciples that are listening, that are reading, they don't know what's about to happen, do they? But even then, they would have understood the the significance of a cross carrying to take up one's cross it referred to the practice of forcing a condemned criminal to carry their cross to the site of their execution the the condemned person was completely conquered right it was their last act uh, in this world was carrying the instrument that would lead to their death it was utter humiliation and yet this is the picture jesus paints 
for followers of him. It's not a picture of self-flagellation, punishing oneself, inflicting pain to try to some sort of righteousness. That's not it, as some have incorrectly followed this over the years. Jesus is painting a picture here of a journey that will lead to some suffering. There will be some uncomfortable, some pain along the way. Believers can tend to use this phrase. Maybe you've heard this in uh, p- people's lives. Like, oh, it's just my cross to bear. You know my mother-in-law. She's just my cross to bear. Don't laugh too hard. It might get you in trouble, right? My eczema, you know, it's just my cross to bear. Whatever it is in your life. Is your, and we, we might chuckle at that, but, but really we make a mistake to minimize the significance of what Jesus is saying here. Because as we see, we remember We remember the cross. We see the cross and what it cost Jesus, the significance of what this must have meant for Jesus to point us towards the cross. What does it mean to be a disciple? To take up your cross? If you're into formulas, the overly simplistic formula that Jesus is is creating for us is this. Discipleship equals self-denial plus cross-bearing. Discipleship equals self-denial plus cross-bearing. And this may seem extreme. And because of this, we might be tempted to take the tough sayings of Jesus and somehow make them less tough. They kind of sugarcoat, oh, Jesus didn't really mean that, but that's not the purpose of this morning. It's not the purpose of this series. Sometimes uh, we, we talk about within the church counting the cost of discipleship, count the cost. But the real issue here is not the costliness of following Jesus. It's our willingness to follow him regardless of the cost, no matter the cost. That's what Jesus is saying. To be my disciple is to betray your me first life and to follow me no matter the cost. That's the picture Jesus is painting. I love what uh, Lisa Turker said. She's a well-known author and speaker. She says this, I realize taking up our cross may sound strange or vague at first, but for me, it's meant breaking old habits to create space in my heart for new growth. It's meant moving beyond a plastic Christian checklist. Go to church, read the Bible, don't cuss, be nice, pray, give to the poor, and instead letting God mess with any and every area of my life. What a beautiful description. What it means to take up your cross, to make room and space. Give permission for God to mess with any and every area of my life. Ultimately, what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus saying in verse 23? What are these tough words ultimately for us? Ultimately, Jesus is saying to be his disciple takes complete and total surrender. Want to be his disciple? It takes complete and total surrender. Want to know the expectation? Take up your cross, complete and total surrender. So the tension here in this text is there are many who consider themselves a disciple of Jesus, but they're not completely and totally surrendered. Clearly, Jesus sets the expectation, so that must mean he would know even thousands of years later as we read these words that there would be some of us sitting in a room like this hearing these words and realizing that we might have come into the room thinking we were his disciples, but we're not living a life that's completely and totally surrendered. Really, what Jesus is describing here is to be his disciple is to acknowledge that he is Lord. 
And in Scripture, we see Jesus referred to as Savior, but we also see Jesus referred to as Lord. And you may say, what's the difference? Maybe you didn't think there was one, but the difference is significant. The difference is significant because there's plenty of believers who trust that Jesus is their Savior, and he is. But they haven't allowed him to be Lord of their life. I, I, I was one of those. For many years, I had a relationship with Jesus. Praise the Lord. He died on the cross. He rose again. He overcame sin. I, I prayed and, and, and asked him to forgive my sins. He was my Savior. But I was still in charge of my life. I was still calling the shots. I would do my thing and ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, will you bless what I'm doing? I love you, Jesus. I'll be at church Sunday. I'll see you then. But I was, I was in charge. I was living for me still. I loved him. I had a relationship. He's my Savior. Praise the Lord. But I was, I was Lord. I was Lord. I was calling the shots. That's not what Jesus says it means to be a disciple. A disciple means we allow him to be Lord of our lives. Not just Savior, but Lord. The Apostle Paul wasn't afraid to remind us of the cross. Now remember, the Apostle Paul wasn't there. As Jesus was crucified, he never met Jesus in person during his earthly ministry. He didn't. He, he, in fact, was one of the greatest persecutors of the church. He was Saul. That after Jesus' death and resurrection, as this movement of God called the church began to spring up, Saul was one of the biggest enemies of the church. He did whatever he could to stop the way of Jesus, to persecute Christians. And yet, while he's on the road, on the way to persecute Christians, supernaturally, Jesus shows up and it reveals himself to him, and he's never the same. He becomes Paul. He literally gets a new name. And now he becomes one of the greatest missionaries, one of the greatest disciples the world has ever known. And so as he writes, years later, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, after the cross, it's just kind of an afterthought, right? He's writing to a church in Galatia, and he writes these words, he starts by saying the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. And, and if you've heard these words before, it's fruit of the Spirit. Paul's writing about the fruit of the Spirit. But if you don't continue reading, you'll miss the connection. The very next sentence, Paul, Paul points us to the cross. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its desires and passions. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. You hear what Paul says there? Those who belong to Christ have crucified. He's pointing back to the cross. Not the cross of Jesus. Our cross. There's something happening here. If we want to live according to the Spirit, if we really want to belong to Him, we crucify this flesh, this self. Sounds like, sounds like Paul is pointing back to Jesus' words. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Uh, Pastor here is going to help me for a second. I, I want to think about the cross this morning. We think about it often this time of year, as I've already said, because we remember. We remember the cross. We remember the price paid for us for our sins on the cross of Jesus, and we should. 
But the problem is, as we listen to the words of Jesus today, we, we must recognize and remember that the cross isn't only for Jesus. The cross is for us. The cross is not just this symbol that we wear around our neck and we put up in the church and we remember and once a year we point to what Jesus did on the cross, past tense, and then we kind of move on. No, listen to the words of Jesus. The cross is not just meant for him, it was meant for us. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Like it or not, accept it or not, the cross is part of, it's part of the life of the Christian. It's not just a memorial, it's not just a symbol. It's a constant reminder of what? Surrender. Want to be my disciple, Jesus says? Want to know what the expectation? Complete and total surrender. It's a cross. Not just the past tense cross of what you, the, the, the daily, the cross. Again, what is, Paul said this in Galatians 2 earlier. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, Paul is not saying he literally got up there on the cross as Jesus was being nailed to it and they nailed him too. That's not what he's saying. But yet, he's choosing to point back, to identify, to focus on the cross and saying, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I, I live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's remembering the cross, remembering what Jesus did, but he's identifying with the daily decision to be crucified with Christ, to be that surrendered. That, be that, 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 that he's denied, he's dead to self, that flesh, that desire, me, 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 me. I've crucified that. I, I don't live that way anymore. I, I live, it's Christ now that's living in me. I love what uh, author Ann Voskamp uh, says. I'm going to put it here on the screen. She says this, if your life isn't cross-centered, it's off-centered. It's this reminder, this stark reality that the cross is not just this thing that we push off to the side. And we remember that Jesus did it for the life of the believer, the disciple of Jesus. We have to live a cross-centered life. The cross must be daily in our focus. If your life isn't cross-centered, it's off-centered. So what does that mean in our lives? What does that look like? Maybe you're here today and you're like, Man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, Jesus. This is hard. Maybe you're thinking, this is weird. What, what do you mean? I, I'm not supposed to be nailed to a cross, so what does Jesus want from me? What does it look like today in my life? I really can't answer that question for you, but I can, I can help you see what it looks like for me. So I have some things here that, for me, there'll be different words for you, but these words represent, for me, what it means to daily, Jesus used that word, daily take up my cross. Because I made a decision in my life that I want him to be Savior in my life, but I want, him to, I want him to be Lord. I've seen what it looks like in my life for me to be Lord, and it's messy and confusing and broken, and there's not a lot of good stuff coming from that. And so I, I made a decision. I make a decision daily. I want you to be Lord. So what does that look like? Well, one word that I'll put, I'll put it all the way up here because it's probably the most important word for me is this word control. I used to not want to acknowledge this. I didn't want to come to terms with it. But the more I know myself, the more I know is that I want to be in control. 
Now, nobody here wants to be out of control. I'm sure of that. <laughs> nobody wants to sign up for that. I just I want to feel like everything's out of control. I, no one wants that. But, but I've learned in my life, it's not just that I want, I need to be in control. And when I'm not, I'm not okay. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I'm angry. I'm mad, confused. I'm disappointed. And so for me, to allow him to be Lord of my life is for me to release control, to recognize that I can't be Lord of my life. I can't ultimately be in control. I can't just make my plans and then ask him to bless it. That's not the life that he has for me. And so for me, it's a daily reminder. The cross for me is a daily reminder of, Lord, you are in control. Thank you that you're in control. Oh my God, you're so grateful, God, that you are in control. And I don't have to be, but there are times when I, I want to try to take back that and I have to re remind myself the cross for me is a daily reminder to surrender control, to allow him to lead my life. There's a lot of other words I could put up here, but, but I'll, I'll put this one, dreams. Some of us think if I become a Christian, if I take Jesus at his word, it means I can't have dreams anymore. If I follow him, he's going to ask me to do something miserable I don't want to do with my life. I can't have dreams. That's not true. That's not it. But here's the difference. See, sometimes we have these things, our dreams, and we hold them so tightly. And we say, Jesus, I'll follow you, but I, I won't give this up. I won't surrender this. I, I've got to do this. And, and so in the same way, like with control, it's, it's like this, where we, we want to live our life and do our thing and invite God to kind of bless, bless it or give him space to do this but not this. And we hold tightly to whatever that dream is, whatever that plan is, whatever that hope is that you hold on to. But this is what I've learned. To allow him to be Lord is that I don't hold anything back. In fact, I, I give him that, but, but here's what I've learned. There were some dreams that I thought I had for my life that were good. And I thought I knew, but when I surrender and when I allow him to be Lord, he takes those dreams, and sometimes it's exactly what he wants for me, but sometimes it's even better. There are dreams that I, I have for my life now, and goals and plans and things the Lord's done that have been far greater than anything I dreamed of in my own brain before. And why? Because I allowed him to be Lord, and I allowed him to lead. I, I, I put that on the cross, and I say, God, I've got some dreams, but what are your dreams for my life? What did, and I, I found that when I allow him to be Lord, he does things in my life and through my life I could never have imagined. This is a painful one for me to put up here, but I got to be honest. If you were here last week, we talked a little bit about this. It's not money because to me it's more that stuff. I'm going to be really honest. I shared this at our Harrisonburg campus. I can be really greedy. I hide it well. I mask it well. I do have a good heart. Don't judge me. I'm not a terrible person. But I'm greedy. I like my stuff, and I'm worried. Here's what it is for me. I worry that I'm not going to have enough. I worry. I worry about my kids and my future. How am I? I worry that I'm not going to have enough. And so I, I hide it really well. But you know the posture of my heart is? i got to hold on to my stuff. Because what if, what if I don't have enough? How am I going to have enough? What I have is not enough. I think that all the time. It's a constant battle in my heart and in my mind. So what does it look like? Does it mean I can't have stuff? No, of course not. That's not what it is. 
but it means that my stuff can't have me. I can have possessions, but my possessions can't possess me. And I'm telling you, this is a daily battle for me. But one, when I live a cross-centered life, I come to the Lord and say, oh, Lord, it's really easy for me to worry about stuff. It's really easy for me to become a slave to stuff. But I trust you with my life. I trust you with what I have. Lord, I trust you with what I don't have. You are Lord of my life. Lead me. Lord, if there's something I can do with what I've got, I want to be a blessing. I want to serve, but I trust you to be Lord of my life. And for me, this is one of the hardest things. This is one of the things almost daily I have to remind myself. He is enough. He is all I need. He is my provider. For me, that's what it looks like. There's other words. I'll move to them quickly. This is kind of this biblical word, right? Self, flesh. This is this mentality, this heartbeat where I have to make a decision. Am I gonna, is it going to be all about me? Are all my relationships going to be about me? Is every interaction I come to is going to be about me? Or am I willing to take up my cross and say, Lord, I surrender that idea of having to live for me, 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 me. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to let you enter into my relationships. I'm going to let you guide and direct my steps. It's not going to be, I've seen the fruit of a life living for me, me, me. I don't want to do that anymore. This is a huge one for me. What about you? This idea of worry. Here's the thing about worry. It's easy to justify this. Some of you have things going on right now in your life. You can justify worry because you can lay out all the reasons why you should be worried. You can lay out all the circumstances that don't make sense where where any reasonable, rational person would be worried. Of course I'm worried about my health. Of course I'm worried about my finances. Of course I'm worried about my kids and these relationships. And I get it. But to allow him to be Lord of your life is to choose. It's a choice. God, today I will not choose worry. I will not choose to be overcome with fear and anxiety because I'm not Lord of my life. I don't have to be in control. You're in control. So instead of choosing to worry, I, I, I surrender to you. I take up my cross, Lord. For some of us, it's a career. There's nothing wrong with the career you have doesn't mean you're not honoring the Lord with your career, but for some of us, it's the thing that we hold on to. For some of us, it's it's just rights. You know what Philippians 2 said? Paul remembered Jesus had all the rights. He was literally at the right hand of God. He had every right. But what did he do? He laid it down. He became obedient to that. That's what Jesus modeled for us. He had all the rights, but he laid them down. He surrendered them. What does that look like in our lives? I have a right to hurt you, but but because he's Lord. I have a right to be angry, but because he's Lord. What does that look like in your life? This is another big one for me. It's pride. For some of us, that might be the biggest barrier. This idea of denying self and taking up a cross, that's, that's a hit to your pride, isn't it? We're used to calling the shots. We're used to being in control. We're used to, I'm okay. I've got it under control. Look, to acknowledge him as Lord is to admit we don't have all the answers. We don't have it all under control. And guess what? We don't need to. 
can exhale that. I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to figure it all out on my own. I surrender my pride, Lord. I'm not going to allow pride to get in the way of, of you being Lord of my life. So today, what, what would be on your cross? What would be the thing? What would be the one thing? Maybe there's relationships today that you're clinging to. Maybe it's the approval of someone or something else in your life other than him. I don't know what it is, but I'm confident today if you ask him, he'll, he'll tell you, he'll show you what it means for you to live a cross-centered life. Say, God, I'm not going to live for me, for me, 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 me anymore. I, I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to trust you with whatever it is. That, that's what it means to be your disciple. That's what it means to follow you. That's your expectation for us. I want to invite you. Uh, would you close your eyes for a minute? I, I believe the Lord is here and he's speaking. And I don't believe that because of anything I've said. I just believe that God's faithful when we come to his word and when we ask him to speak. He wants to speak to us. And so I just believe God is speaking. More than anything I've said, he, he is speaking to us. He's speaking to me today. In a minute, we're going to stand and sing. But before we do that, I just, I believe there's a couple of us here today, maybe more than a few, that today there, there's something on, on your daily, your daily, something today holding you back, something you're holding on to way too tightly. And today he, he wants to invite you let him be Lord. Take up your cross. Surrender that thing. I don't know what it is, and it's really not any of my business. It's between you and the Lord. But I, I want to pray for that person, whoever you are. It matters to me. It matters to me. And I, I want to invite you in a minute. You don't need to come up front. You don't need to say anything to anybody. But I do want to invite you, if that's you and you're in the room today, and the Lord's speaking to you, the Lord's challenging you about something in your heart that you need to surrender. I want to invite you right now, would you just join me in standing right there at your seat? You won't be standing alone because I'm, I'm right here. I'm standing with you. I just want to pray for you. This is not a production. This is not a come to the front, pass me the mic. This is just right where you're at. Just an uh, obedience, a step saying, God, I, I want to trust you with this. God, I need your strength. God, this taking up your cross, that's hard. This is hard, Lord, but I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to lead and guide my life. I can't be, I don't have the answers, God, and I can't be in control. You, you can lead and guide my life. You can be Lord. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, you won't stand alone. There's others today. I want to give you space and time to just respond to what the Lord might be saying to you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Maybe we, we throw that word around uh, more than we should. Maybe we don't stop and think about what that word really means in our life. But today, I pray for my brothers and sisters around this room that are standing. I, I pray they mean what they say. Lord, Lord God, come and lead my life. Come and guide my steps. Come and show me what you want for me. 
I surrender to you. I, I take up my cross. And, and on that cross, I, I pin those things, whatever it is today. Whatever is that thing that I hold on to so tightly, I, I give it to you. I surrender to you, Lord. I want to be your disciple. I want to I follow you and trust you. And so today, God, I believe there's fruit and beauty on the other side of surrender that we can never experience any other way. And so I'm asking you to work in each life, in each person, each surrendered heart today, that you would work in their circumstances for your good and for your glory. Would you do something that only you can do? Would you move mountains? Would you part waters? Would you heal and redeem and restore and, and do what only you can do? Because when we get to the end of ourselves, that is when, God, you can really work. So we're not telling you what to do, but we're just saying, you're Lord, and we believe you can do immeasurably beyond all that we can ask or think or imagine. Do it, Lord. We surrender. We surrender. Church family, uh, would you stand? We're going to worship, and I, I just want to pray, God, come now. Inhabit the praise of your people. Holy Spirit, come and work and move and May we sense your love. May we sense your kindness. May we sense your mercy and grace poured out for us in this room this morning. And, and we are just so grateful that you love us and that you call us your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at C-O-T-N-A-Z org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.